0: started a series of sermons last week um, that will stretch for the next few weeks around tuning into God, about becoming alert to him. And a couple of things I said was that the first thing that's very obvious when you start reading the Bible is that it seems as though God's a very active God in as much as he interacts with humanity. You you don't go very far in the Bible before you begin to realize that God speaks to people and that they seem to hear him. And that's all the way through the Bible. It's like not this idea that God created the world and then set it running and then from a distance he kind of does his stuff. But actually that God interacts with humanity, people like you and me. But the truth is that depending on where you are, it can either sound absolutely bonkers. Some of you can't imagine, and and probably I would advise you not to do this, but tomorrow morning when you go into work at nine o'clock or eight o'clock or whenever you go in, the first thing you say to your colleagues is, oh, by the way, God spoke to me this morning. They might think, oh, bless them. (laughs) Anybody know the number to call? Because it seems so odd. In a church context, we talk about it much more freely. The idea that the Lord might want to speak to his people. But it's not unusual to be sitting in church going, yeah, I think that's okay theoretically. But I'm fairly convinced that's not happened to me. And so then when you hear people who say he has done that, you think, well, either they must be special or I must not be. Special. In other words, we start to imagine that God has special folks and the rest. And that he's predominantly interested in speaking in buildings like this. And the Bible blows both of those assumptions out of the water. That actually in the Bible, if you read through it, most of the places where God speaks are not in buildings like this. It's not that God's averse to speaking in buildings like this. It's just that in the Bible, it seems not to happen solely in buildings like this. And the second thing is that in the Bible, God seems to take great delight in speaking to young and old, rich and poor. People who have a lot of authority in their sort of regular day life and those who have no authority in their regular day life. In other words, there's a democracy of God speaking. It's not for special people. You know, when Ben was speaking, he, he, he mentioned didn't he, about that idea of that a few years ago, he just felt God asked him to be involved in church ministry. And it's really tempting to think that those of us who are involved in church ministry must be special. Now, some of you know us and you go, yeah, they're very special. It's it's hard not to get around that idea. But the Bible says, I'm having none of that. God is a God who communicates. So what we want to do in this series is to say, how do you tune into that? How do you make sense of it? And to help us do that, we're going to listen to two Psalms being read by uh, Jumi and Judith actually can I have the microphone back and uh, they're going to read from the first psalm which is Psalm 8 so Thank you. Psalm 8 from verse 1
1: Lord our Lord how majestic is your name in all the earth you have set your glory in the heavens through the praise of children and infants You've established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? You have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet, all flocks and herds, and the animals of the wild, the birds in the sky, and the fish in the sea, all that swim the paths of the seas. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your
2: name in all the earth. Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens, God has pitched a tent for the sun. But who can discern their own errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgression. May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer.
0: Thank you very much, both of you. When you start thinking about this idea of praying and a sense of communication that God, the one you're praying to and asking for all sorts of things is the God who might communicate with us, then I think for lots of people, they imagine that you just have to sit in silence. And of course, that's no bad thing. But actually, where I want to begin this idea is that creation itself is one of the ways that God speaks to us. There's a moment in the New Testament where Paul, the Apostle Paul, is writing about the state of the world. And he's saying, you know, God actually does make himself known. This is exactly what he says. Since the creation of the world... God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. Paul says if you've got your eyes open and you look around the world, you go, This is too beautiful, too mysterious. Too majestic simply to be an accident. I don't know if you've been watching uh, David Attenborough, uh, the new series on the plants. It's kind of like remarkable. And every time you watch David Attenborough, there's part of me that go, uh, you just, I, I don't know how you watch that program or those programs, but you just sort of sit there going, wow. And Why? Do you remember when he found that fish that lives so deep that no one's ever seen him before, but it's actually quite beautiful? Why? Wow. (laughs) There's something, Paul says, that if you've got eyes to see, then actually you can tell something about God, the essential nature of God. You look at a leaf closely. You look at animals. You look at the person sitting next to you. And there's something about the beauty that reflects the nature of God. In a sense, while that's open to everyone, there's something else that as you grow closer to God, as you understand God more, as you come into a relationship with the Father, that actually you start to hear the tone. Have you ever received a message, a text message with an emoji? You know, one of those smiley faces or frown faces or whatever. And because you've not known the person that well, you're not sure what they actually mean. And whether you've kind of offended them or whether they're laughing at you or whether they've misunderstood you. And it's an emoji. It's a sign. But it's kind of like, I'm not sure. Whereas actually, if you get one from someone who's really close to you, you kind of always kind of know i think it's the same with god christianity is essentially a divine love story about a god who says this world that i've created i've not given up on i love it and you that are part of it i love you in fact i love you so much that i send my only son who will die for you that you might live it's a brilliant beautiful love story now once I know that that's the God who communicates I now can hear the tone because if I don't I might just think God's so powerful that he wants to obliterate me but actually if I hear it's a God of love then I might hear the whole story differently the heavens declare the glory of God the skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. And yet, their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words to the ends of the world. It's how one of the Psalms began that we just read. It's interesting. These first two Psalms, Psalms 8 and 19, are Of the 150, the first two psalms of praise. Up till now, it's been psalms of lament. Oh God, it's odd. These are the psalms that begin with praise. And it begins by looking at the vastness of creation and going, when I look in the sky, I see the glory of God. And the skies tell me that. The heavens declare the glory of God. And when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you've set in place. What is mankind that you're mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. The word that's in that verse there, when I consider your heavens. Consider. When I pay attention to what's around me, I hear God speaking through creation to me. When I consider, when I pay attention, I hear God getting my attention through creation. But I need to slow down. I need to be aware. A rushed life will always miss this. I'm going to speak about something I have no knowledge about. And if you ask me a question, just one question would push me beyond my ability to have any idea what I'm talking about. So please don't ask me anything about this afterwards. This star is called Antares, it's the 15th brightest star in the galaxy. Now, I don't know if you'll to see this right at the back, but let me read something from a book I read this week that I found really helpful. This is what the writer said. You may have seen it, Antares. More accurately, you may have seen it as it was before Columbus discovered America. Antares is 550 light years away. So if it disappeared today, we'd be approaching the end of the 26th century before anyone realized. Any of you understand that? Yeah, a few of you? Yeah, the rest of you going? I have no idea. Essentially, what it's saying is when you look at the stars, you're seeing something that happened centuries ago. And if it disappeared it would be 500 years before anybody realized. I could explain that in more detail to you if you wish, but you probably not understand. It is one of around 250 billion stars in the Milky Way. Our local galaxy. If you're happy to use the word local for something that would take light a thousand centuries to cross. You got it? No, I haven't got it. I understand all of those words individually. I have no concept about how big that is. That's just our local galaxy. When I look in the sky, I ask God, Why are you concerned about me then? And if God, you created all of this, how do you want me to live? And the psalmist says, that feeling that comes over you when you see the vastness of all this and you cry out, God, why are you bothered about me? And the father says, because you were created by me. Because I love you. How do you want me to live? Well, the psalmist talked then about actually in the light of all that's been there, then be obedient, follow the way of the Lord. For it's the way that will bring life to you. This divine love story. A creation and a people who are loved by the creator. So how do you hear God in the midst of this? Four examples. Listen to the way God wants to get your attention. You see a rainbow in the sky. When you were children, someone told you at the end of a rainbow was a pot of gold. You became a Christian and you began to know the biblical story. And someone told you that the rainbow was a sign that God put in the sky at the end of the flood to say, I'll not destroy it. I've covenanted with the earth. When you see a rainbow, what might God be saying to you? It might be that you hear God whisper, When you see the rainbow, this is my commitment to you. You might hear God say, You might be wrecking the earth, but I'm not going to give up on it. When you see the rainbow, you'll recognize that you don't need to do anything because God's at work in His own world. When you see a rainbow, you might hear God speak to you. You see rainbows every now and again. You see rain much more often. In Matthew, Jesus says that God sends his son to rise on the evil and the good and he sends the rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. It's hard to be grateful on the rainy days, isn't it? Except... You know, when you've been on holiday to maybe you've been to the south of France or somewhere like that, to the Mediterranean area, and you get there and it's just so brown because you've gone in the middle of the summer. Everything looks burnt and dusty, and it's beautiful when you look out at the sun, uh, out at the sea, and it's brilliant to have the heat of the sun. But actually, you go, do you know what? I really miss the forty shades of green. I miss the lushness of our landscape. You only get it because of the rain. And after all the days of rain, when the sun comes out, and you don't have to wear so many layers, and you go, Oh, it's brilliant, isn't it? And Jesus says it's just grace. It's just grace. In decades to come there may well be water wars. Water wars. Because there'll be droughts. And we probably won't have that problem. (laughs) And it's not because we're better than anybody else, it's just grace. And when the rain comes, the Lord whispers to you, I give you so much, and it's grace. And when the sun comes, It's God's luxury, the sun that's so constant, the sun that's there when you can't see it, the sun that brings warmth, the sun that causes everything to grow, the sun that is so uh, beautiful, and it's grace. And for those of you that know the divine love story, you see rain differently and you see the sun differently because you say, we don't deserve any of this. But Lord, your grace. The trees that you see as you walk down your, uh, your road. The resting place for the birds. This time of year when they look dead, but actually are just preparing to come into bud the newness, the promise. I walk down my road and there's some brilliant trees. And more times than enough, I've heard God say to me, trust me. This time of year, I'm at work when you can't see anything. Trust me for what's to come. I've heard God say to me, through the trees, as it were, put your roots down, Neil. You'll withstand the storm. I've heard the Lord speak to me and say, Neil, these trees were before you, and they'll probably be after you. Play your part. Don't get hung up on it all. I hear God speak to me. When I open my eyes and I'm walking down the street. Last one. Matthew chapter 6. Why do you worry? Look at the birds. Look at the flowers. Why do you worry? Well, this is the conversation I have with God sometimes. Lord, I'm worried because I'm not sure you know how serious this is. I'm worried because I don't know that you know exactly how we're going to get out of this. Lord, ultimately I'm worried because I think it's all on my shoulders. And then you kind of say to God, have you got anything to say? And he goes, flowers. And you look at them and you go, they're beautiful. And it's provided. And they're cared for. I don't need to worry. And those birds those long tailed tits and blue tits and rest of them that are fed in my garden, along with the squirrels, are fed because I do something. How are we gonna be, Lord? Don't you worry, provision will be there. Consider. One simple thing I want to say and then I'm done. I don't think there's anybody in the room that God is not waving his arms, windmill-like, going, I've got you. And I want to communicate with you. And some of you go, I don't know if it happens to people like me. And God says, would you like to look up? Could you just see the tree in your garden? or at the end of your street? Could you just watch that bunch of flowers that are in your front room? Could you just take notice of the rain or the mist or the sun? Can you hear what that might mean for you today? Can you interpret what you are seeing? And so this is my offer, my request, my challenge this week. Why not? beginning of the day, just go, okay, Lord, let me not rush through this day. Let me open my eyes. Let me see what's around me and let me interpret what you are saying to me. Because this God is in a divine love story with you and he wants to get your attention. May your eyes be open. May you see what he's offering. May you hear him speak. Ask the guys to come back and play. And they'll lead us through a couple of songs. One is a song that just speaks of that sense of being surrounded by the love of God, the presence of God. There's an old song about being aware of what's happening in creation, about the wonder of God. And we'll sing together, and as you do so, I guess it's a prayer that your anxiety won't overload your vision, but that you'll be aware of what God's doing, you'll be able to see clearly, you'll be able to hear clearly, and that you'll know what he's saying to you.
3: your holy presence to live in us. Worry because your hand is on it all. Your hand is on us. I wonder if you want to stand with us all today. If you want to stand and worship the Lord. works green as of his might and our lives
0: To the end of a service, but uh, just want to ensure that you hear some of the things we said. So, the God of the rainbow, the God whose covenant is over you, who's made a promise to be with you and for you, the God of the rain and the sun, who says, It's my grace, it's not about what you deserve, it's about what's given the God who speaks and through the metaphor of the trees, that when you can't see anything that's obviously growing, the God who speaks to us and says, actually, just wait, just wait for fruitfulness will come. And the God who says to us when we're anxious, don't worry, look at the birds, look at the, the, the flowers. The end of the service as we finish Some of you, it may be that you would want to be prayed with because actually for those areas or others or stuff that's going on in your life, and there's a team of people who would be glad to pray with you, and they'll be in the side chapel. For all of us, as we go into this week, the discerning of what God is saying, there's a, 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 a metaphor in the Old Testament about God singing over us, the lyrics that God wants to sing over our lives that our ears would be open and we would hear. May you hear the voice of the Lord speak to you in ways that really make sense this week. In the name of Jesus.